You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. You've had a long day at work, and you can't wait to just get home, take off your shoes, plop yourself down in your favorite chair, and relax. Ah. You walk up to your tranquil residential home and your neatly manicured lawn in your quiet suburban neighborhood, put the key in the lock, open the door, and... Yes, the pets have gone wild! What were you thinking? Welcome to the show about everything you always wanted to know about exotic pets. Where to get them, what to feed them, and how to care for them. You'll even find out why some people live with a monkey. Now, here's your host, exotic pet expert and author, Bob Tart. Hey, Bob, what were you thinking? Hi, I'm Bob Tart, author of the books Enslaved by Ducks and Follow Weather, and I'm currently working on a new book, The Funnel of Happiness, which is going to be about our six cats. And since I'm such a slow writer, look for that book in about uh, 2013, 2014, something like that. Well, as you know, if you've heard the show before, What Were You Thinking is about exotic pets. And we've never done a show about dogs or cats before, but my guest today is a dog and cat owner, but she is not your typical dog or cat owner. She has had more of them than I could possibly count, and so that strikes me as pretty darn exotic. Uh, my guest is Care Ariel Wolf, and she is an artist and a native of Ohio. She's written a fabulous book, I just finished reading it, called Born Without a Tail, and that book chronicles oh, about 20 years of rescuing and fostering animals. Care became involved in pet rescue, well, literally by accident, when her partner was hit by a car while they were trying to rescue a dog. A local humane group came to their aid and, well, the rest is history. Currently, they reside in a log cabin deep in one of our nation's national forests with four dogs, three cats, and five mice. I'll have to find out if those mice are pets or if they just live in the walls because we have lots of those here. Care uh, attributes her love of animals to having been raised by wolves, which of course is her last name. So, hi Care, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm fine. Um, uh, I see the little bio you sent me says Care. Um, do you want me to call you Care or Ariel? Most people call me Ariel. Okay, I'll call you Ariel if I can remember. Before I get into the questions, I want everybody to suspend listening and fly to your website, and that is yellowdoggy.com, and I will spell it for you. It is y-e-l-o-d-o-g-g-i-e.com. Uh, where did that name come from? Um, it came from the fact, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, Bob, but so many artists, when they portray dogs, uh, portray them as being yellow. Almost every cartoon dog in the world is done yellow. Wow. And um, I noticed that, and I figured, finally, I figured out what the reason was, because yellow is the color of joy and happiness, and that seems to be the true attribute of dogs. Wow, I like that. That's very cool. And so that's how you, and the spelling? Well, the spelling was because every <laughs> domain name spelled the right way was not available. Yeah, yeah, well that's alright. But that is the spot where people should go to learn about your book, Born Without a Tail, and also to purchase one, is that correct? Um, yes, there's a link to Amazon from there. Mm -hmm. So they can um, get my book on Amazon or Borders.com or Target.com. Mm -hmm. 
and or they can ask their pet store or their um, bookstore to order one for them. Yeah. Because it's in books and print. Um, but they can also they can see lots of things at my site if they really poke around. Okay. Yeah, I found some things there. Yeah, I, d- I definitely did. Um, before I get into the book too much, I, I want to ask you. It really piqued my interest. It says that uh, you and Darlene live in a national forest. We live in the Cuyahoga Valley in Ohio, which is between Akron and Cleveland. It's 33,000 acres of uh, forest. Okay, how did that happen? Well, um, back in... Uh, and who is, that I, who is that I hear in the background? I hear Waldo. That's Waldo? <laughs> That's Waldo. He's a, a golden boxer mix. He's about 70 pounds of muscle. Oh. Um, anyway, back in uh, 2001, I lost my job after 17 years with uh, you know, all the companies are downsizing and it, as a result of that we lost our home and uh, it was a home we'd been in for 13 years so we started looking for a place that would not take just us but would also take our pets because getting rid of pets was just not part of the plan so um, Daylene found a uh, found this cabin online it's uh, owned by the the park system and we uh, called the phone number and asked to come out and look at it and it was love at first sight yeah i i had no idea that the is it the park service is that who who's your landlord well actually when we first moved here the the home was still owned by the person who had originally built it oh i see and he was on an easement with the park after we were here three years the um, the easement was up and the park took over so we do rent from the park even though they'll tell you they are not in the rental business. Yeah. Well, that's just fabulous. I've never heard of anything like that. What is it like to live in a national forest? Are, are you sort of on the edge, or are you right in the middle, or how does how is it? Um, we are sort of on the western edge of the forest, but we sit back uh, about a half mile from the nearest road. Our nearest neighbors are a little over a half mile away, and uh, it's very rugged living. That's the best way to say it. We heat with a wood stove, and uh, our water is... We depend on the rain for the water. And uh, there's tons of wildlife here. Yeah, I yeah I remember uh, in your book, Born Without a Tail, you mentioned problems with coyotes before. Um, which one of your dogs got, um, unfortunately, grabbed by the coyote? That was Troll. Yeah, that was Troll, and it... Um, uh, it sort of changed his personality, it didn't it? Changed his personality, and uh, he was never easy to get along with to begin with. Uh, he came from a very abusive background, and even though he was safe with us, he never really got that totally through his head. So he was a fear fighter, and he was very difficult to handle. Except with Daylene, she could do anything with him. But yeah, I was like his worst enemy. Now, was Troll the dog? I'm, uh, there are so many wonderful animals in your book. Um, uh, that um, I'm trying to remember Troll, but was he the one that the animal communicator told you about his background? Yes. Y- you want to talk about that a little bit? That was really interesting. Um, I had heard about animal communication when I read a book by Beatrice Lidecker called What the Animals Tell Me. And I thought, wow, if this is really true, what a wonderful thing to be able to understand you know, when an animal's thinking. And we... Uh, we were involved with this rescue group, Valley Save a Pet, and they were having a big pet fair, and they decided to bring an animal communicator in for the pet fair. 
And the woman they chose is from Cincinnati. Her name is Donetta Zimmerman. You can Google her. She's an incredible person. Um, she came into animal communication pretty much by accident. That wasn't anything planned either. She just realized one day she had this affinity. And she won't tell you that it's a psychic power of any kind. She said it's really just listening and visualizing with the animal. Uh-huh. And when we found out that she was going to be at Pet Fest, we signed up right away. We wanted to take all four of the dogs we had at that time. And out of those, three of them, we had no idea what their backgrounds were. And uh, the things she told us, Bob, were completely amazing. And it was easy to see when she, you know, when she was communicating with Troll why he was the way he was. And so many of the things she told us about his background and she said he would uh, he was still having nightmares and we knew that he was having nightmares. We didn't know about what. Mm-hmm. But we would often find him, you know, crying in his sleep and and uh, cowering in the corner. And it was just it, it was just really interesting to find out all those things. And the things she told you really jibed with uh, his behavior and also the things you did know about him. Isn't right, that true? That's right. Yeah, I think that's amazing. That, that, that was a really good story. Yeah. I, I'm jumping ahead because I should ask you uh, to describe your book. Okay. Um, my book is really a sort of a journal of about 20 years of pet rescue. And like you and Linda, Daylene and I got into it without even realizing we were getting into it. <laughs> it's a slippery slope, isn't it? It is a slippery <laughs> slope, and uh, it's a very specialized form of complete and utter chaos. I think you know that. So uh, we, you know, we had a pet, and we, we had two dogs, and like you said when you introduced me, we had an accident trying to rescue a dog that had been hit in the road, and Daylene was hit by a car, and um, this rescue group came to our aid because we were weighed down in cats and, and the two dogs and had no way to feed them with her without her um, salary coming in. And this is Valley Save-A-Pet. Valley Save-A-Pet. And they came out with a van full of food that got us through the entire winter. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. I remember you were thinking they um, wouldn't, want, <laughs> wouldn't want to know how many dogs and cats you had. Well, you know, the community we were in was a two-pet limit. And you were a little over that. We were way over that. <laughs> and the whole time we lived there, we had rentals next door to us. The whole time we lived there, every time that house went up for rent, we panicked. Oh, yeah. Because we never knew what kind of neighbors we were going to have. Fortunately, they all turned out to be really great people. And when you talked to Valley Save-A-Pet, at first you were kind of hedging to tell them how many right. cats but and dogs. You know... I really had never had any contact with the rescue group, and mm-hmm. I didn't know if they would turn us in for having so many. Mm-hmm. But as it turned out, the volunteer who came to help us, we later found out that she had, like, 23 dogs. Yeah, wow. Well, I liked what she said to you on the phone. Didn't she say something along the lines of, you know, look, I, we don't want to just help you for one week. Right. You're going to need help to your friends back on her feet. Yeah, wow. That That's just a great thing. And so you are giving some of the profits to Valley Save-A-Pet, isn't that right? One third of uh, my royalties to go to Valley Save-A-Pet. That's terrific, and that's another really good reason for people to go to yellowdoggy.com, Y-E-L-O-D-O-G-G-I-E.com, and don't just buy one copy of Born Without a Tail, but, um, you know, holidays are coming up, 
this is just a terrific book, you know. Right, it's like charitable gift giving. <laughs> it is, and and you all enjoy this book so much. I'm I'm telling my listener, not you, because you had you had to live it. So, um, so what what led you to write the book? Well, uh, what happened was my very favorite. You know, every every parent says they don't have a favorite kid, and people in rescue will say they don't have a favorite dog, but it's all lies. Yeah. I had a favorite dog, and um, his name was Dylan, and he was just about ready to turn 17, mm-hmm. and that's a lot of years for a dog. Yeah, it is. So I started panicking. I, I knew he wasn't going to live forever, and I was so afraid that I wasn't going to remember everything about him. So I sat down and started writing about him so I wouldn't forget anything, and because he had been there through all of these animal rescues, his story became everybody's story. Yeah, he really flows through the book. Yeah, he does. <laughs> <laughs> he has quite the personality. Yeah, he was one in a million. And at at the end of the book, uh, in the afterward, you write about him. He he lasted, you know, when he was 17, you thought you were about to lose him. But right. in the afterward, as you're writing, you said he's about to turn 20. Right. He lived, he was uh, 20 years, three months, and eight days. Wow. So wow. He lived a really long time. Wow. And what kind of dog was Dylan? Dylan was uh, part standard poodle. And part beagle. Yeah, I love the photo of him in the book. Yeah, he was, he was, really was Mr. Personality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I want to talk uh, more about him because um, I love the stories about him understanding English. Right. Oh, everything you said to him, he understood. Yeah. The the story about you teasing him on the phone to the vet. Oh. <laughs> Could you you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. Dylan was. We were getting ready to take him for a rabies shot and. We had the appointment for like a week, and Daylene was teasing him. She's a big teaser, and she was teasing him all week long. Ah, Dylan's going to get a shot, <laughs> you know, kind of fooling with him. And he didn't know what that was, but he was—he knew she was goofing with him. And he realized the day we took him to the vet what a shot was. Put him up on the table, and she said, oh, Dylan, here's your shot. And the vet came out with the needle, and the vet, our vet was really comical. He said to him, be strong, Dylan. <laughs> He gave him the shot, which must have hurt. Dylan cried a little bit, and then he got up and he kissed the vet's face. The vet was petting him, saying, you know, it's okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Well, after that, he knew what a shot was. And any time we wanted to tease him, it was, what's wrong, Dill, do you need a shot? He would snap his head around Bob. (laughs) Like, what? It was just totally comical. Wow, that's that's amazing. We're going to take a short break right now because uh, there's a slight possibility that I might actually have a sponsor for the show. So I will be right back with Care Ariel Wolf talking about her great book, Born Without a Tail. What were you thinking? We'll be right back after Bob gets the ducks out of his living room. Don't go away. Do you love your dog? Then you'll love feeding him mouth-watering, all-natural treats, lovingly handmade by a professional caterer who wanted the very best for her dogs. Make no mistake about it, these are not ordinary dog treats. These are doggy delights, like breakfast banana biscotti, honey bear peanut butter balls, yummy apple cinnamon mini cakes, and so much more. Your dog will howl in delight. And now you can get a scrumptious sample pack by going to dingersdogtreats.com. It's a $25 value, yours for just $9.95 through this special radio offer. That's D-I-N-G-E-R-S, dingersdogtreats.com. 
Every one of these gourmet doggy treats is handmade from the finest ingredients and taste tested on our own dogs. Your dog will love them. Get $25 worth of doggy delights now for just $9.95. Go to dingersdogtreats.com now. That's D-I-N-G-E-R-S, dingersdogtreats.com. Yum. Pick up something unique at a Bone to Pick dog boutique. A Bone to Pick has cool hip fashions for big and small dogs that will have their tails wagging in style. Cat products too. A-B-O-N-E-T-O-P-I-C-K.com. Check out our eco-friendly pet products and gifts for humans too. A-B-O-N-E-T-O-P-I-C-K.com. Get your pet's mouth watering monthly with our Gourmet Treat of the Month Club. And join a Bone to Pick's free birthday club for your puppy. A-B-O-N-E. Dash to dash P-I-C-K dot com. Pick up something special for your best friend at a bone to pick. A-B-O-N-E dash T-O dash P-I-C-K dot com. Get 10% off with coupon code PETLIFE. Want to know what cats like to eat for breakfast? Mice Krispies, of course. Learn everything there is to know about cats on Catitude with your host, Tom Doc. Each week, we'll spotlight a cool cat breed, give up-to-date advice on cat health, and check out spiffy new cat products. So curl up on the couch every week for a perfectly enjoyable time on Catitude. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, ducks are in the pond, rabbits in his hutch, and monkeys... Ow! In my car! Oh, okay, well, I go check my insurance policy. We'll turn you back over to Bob. Hi, I'm uh, Bob Tart, author of Enslaved by Ducks and Foul Weather, which I plug at every possible opportunity. And I am talking to Care Area Wolf, author of Born Without a Tail, and um, we're talking about Dylan, and you had another story about, <laughs> did you have Dylan, it was somewhere where you had Dylan where you were speaking to a woman about him. Oh, right, uh, we were at the pet food supermarket. Yeah, that's it, that's it, could you tell that story, that's great. Right, and he was um, standing next to me, and she was fussing over him, because he was really cute, and she was saying how cute she, he was, and he was just eating it all up. And uh, she asked if we had any other dogs at home, and I told her, I can't remember how many there were, I think there were four others at home at that time. And uh, she said, oh, really? And I said, uh, yeah, he's in charge. And she said, oh, is he the biggest? I said, no, actually, he's the smallest. And when I said that, he turned on me so fast, Bob, and barked at me, <laughs> and it was an angry little bark, like, how dare you? And I just... <laughs> He, it was so clear what he was saying to me. I just looked right at him and answered him. And I said, oh, I know, I know Troll is shorter than you, but he's so much heavier than you are. Yeah. And I think the <laughs> must have thought I was out of my mind. <laughs> but it was so clear what he was saying to me. So you may, uh, in a sense, be a communicator, well, I guess in a different sense, huh? at least with Dylan. I don't, I don't know. Sometimes yeah. I have no idea what's going on. But speaking of communication, I, I guess this is a form of it. There's a story in the book, too, about Daylene having a dream that right. um, proved prophetic. Daylene often has, like, prophetic dreams about animals about to come to us. And one of those animals was Troll. 
and uh, another of those animals was a little dog named Bumper. She'd had a horrible dream just just before morning that um, Troll was blind, and you know by an accident. And she was so shaken up when she woke up, and uh, she was just inconsolable. And uh, she went off to work, and on her way home, as she turned onto our street, there was a little dog standing in the middle of the street. And she almost hit it with her pickup. She had to pull off to the side. And when she talked to the little dog out the window, it looked up and it was missing an eye. Wow. So she rushed home to get me, and we went back, and we captured that little dog and brought it home. And what kind of uh, an addition did Bumper make to your pack? Well, remember what I said about complete and utter chaos? Yeah. (laughs) She was a sweet little dog and just wanted to be loved, and she was having the time of her life at our house, but we had another dog at the time that just hated her and just decided that she was going to try to kill her as long as she was there. Was that Gypsy? That was Gypsy. Yeah. And Gypsy was a good dog. She was our first dog, our first rescue. Um, But for some reason, she did not like Bumper. And uh, every time Bumper came in the room, Gypsy would fight with her. And it it was cruel because she would knock her down. And, you know, Bumper was no match. But uh, Bumper seemed like she was having the time of her life. She'd get up and wag her tail. And what was was Gypsy the alpha dog in your pack? No, Dylan was always the alpha dog. Yeah, so that's that's odd, isn't it? Yeah, it, the only other thing I can think is she was um, the only other female in the pack. Oh, okay. So it might have been a female thing, or it could have been just because Bumper was so ancient. Yeah, yeah. And dogs, you know, they know the old one is the weak one. Yeah, absolutely. See, I never know what's going to happen when we're up to six cats now, and I never know what's going to happen when we bring another cat in because it always surprises me. The cat I think will get along with the other, with the new one, probably won't, and then one that I think will be antagonistic will actually, you know, end up accepting the cat. Cats are really strange. Yeah, they are. They're very odd. I was surprised. You you have, do you have cats right now? We do. We have three. Okay, so you have three cats. One of them, as a matter of fact, turned 20 today. Oh, congratulations. Mm-hmm. And which cat is that? That's Oliver. Oliver, okay. I was surprised when I came toward, well, I guess about the third quarter of your book, you made the statement that you're really not a cat person. I'm not a cat person. Neither of us are cat people, and uh, we don't go out looking for them to rescue them. They just kind of show up. Yeah, but but is, is that really all you mean by that? I mean, do you think you have a different relationship with cats? Oh, well, of course you, of course yeah, you do. because you have a different relationship with cats. Yeah, because you're not in a pack with them. Right, and they don't have a pack mentality. No. Uh, they're very individual. It's all about territory, and it's not about position so much. But, um, I mean, you you were more of a dog than a cat person to the extent that um, uh, I, I had to laugh that sometimes when people would ask you to take a new dog, oh. you, you would do a trade. I'll take your dog, but you, you, take, my cat. you take two of my cats. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I have to say, I kept thinking to myself, I couldn't part with two of my cats. Oh, yeah. I know, there must be something wrong with me, Bob. Well, no, it's but it's 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 but interesting. She's allergic to cats too. Yeah, it's difficult for her, and especially you know we're in a three-room cabin. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's really difficult to be in such close quarters. Yeah, when you lived in town, you guys had a really good arrangement in your right. Gr- it was a great setup. We had an outdoor kennel with an indoor kennel attached to it. A, a feline kennel right, for the cats, and it was 
our neighbor used to laugh and say it was like being at the zoo because he could sit on his back porch and see the outdoor kennel. We had a big mural painted on the side of the garage, and there were all kinds of things for the cats to climb on out there. And they loved it. Yeah, we just um, visited a couple of our friends this weekend who, who live in Lowell, and they have this ingenious thing uh, called the catacombs, they call it that, and they have these kind of huge cages built onto their house and then they have little kitty doors and so when the cats want to go outside they go out and they're in the catacombs in this you know protected area and then they can go back into the house and I thought uh, your your garage thing sort of reminded me of that. Yeah, that was great. But now you know two of the cats I have now won't even use a litter box so it's a nightmare. Oh oh yeah we're <laughs> yeah we've been having litter box problems too I've been writing about that too because it's it's very frustrating is it in your case because of age or just because of some peculiarity that a human can't even imagine well I think with Oliver it's an age thing. sure he just kind of forgets what's going on yeah yeah but um, with Philip Philip uses newspaper yeah and he's doing that I think because every time when we first moved into this cabin every time he went to use the litter box one of the other cats would beat him up. And I think Max just decided it was his litter box. So Philip won't fight Max, so he just uses newspaper. Yeah. So how's that working out? Well, you know, it's a lot of bending. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, it is. Can you try more than one litter box, or that doesn't work? Well, I've tried that, too. That's, yeah. No, it doesn't work. He's, he, it's so in his brain now. And we can't let him out because we have coyotes. And uh, the cats really wouldn't be safe outside here. Yeah, we recently had to have a whole strip of our carpeting in our living room torn up. Oh, yeah. Thanks to the cats. Oh, because you can't get rid of the smell. No, I tried six different chemicals, and it doesn't even touch it, does it? No. The only thing close to touching it is nature's miracle. Well, we tried that, and you get sort of an odd smell in its place. It's certainly better than cat urine, but um, that you know the other smell never quite went away. Well, even when you think it's away, as soon as it gets damp, yeah, yeah, you can forget about well, it. Well, we also <laughs> we it was uh, kind of by a window, and whenever the sun would come in on a summer day, and the sunlight would fall on that spot in the carpet, it was like it was you know all new all over again. So yeah, I wanted I wanted to ask you about well, what kind of background did you have in writing? In writing? Yeah. Uh, I really didn't have any background in writing. Uh, you know, little stories here and there through school, and I was a big, you know, big thesis writer. I loved to write reports and things like that. Because I would never guess that from reading your book. Well, thank you. No, it's just oh, it's just amazing. It it is so well written. You know, when I when I first got the book, I thought, um, you know, you you don't know what to expect, and I started, and just immediately, I just fell right into it. Wow, and that's great to know. Yeah, yeah, and the dialogue. I mean, you know, just when to put dialogue in, and just when to go away from the dialogue. And I thought, boy, that would just be incredible if you hadn't been doing this all your life. So, how did you go about getting this published? Um, the same way everybody does, I sent sample chapters all around and, uh, you know, letters and, and uh, finally found Book Surge, an Amazon.com company, and there we went. Is, is that sort of a, a print-on-demand? It is a print-on-demand. That's very cool. Now, how does... Cool, and um, the more I, you know, I've, I did a lot of research on it and found that they're really thinking it's the future for uh, publishing because there's no big supply of books stuck in somebody's warehouse. Everything is printed right as they need it, and really quickly. I mean, if you order off of Amazon today, 
you would have a copy of my book by the middle of next week. Well, I, but they have a machine at, or, or your publisher that'll it'll just print a copy, right? Right. And, and pretty much it does the whole thing in the binding and everything? Right, everything. Yeah, that's amazing. And, um, it's a nice-looking product. It's great. It looks just great. And um, talk about a green approach to publishing. Mm-hmm. Because yes, you're right. You know, I, I hate to think how many how many copies of Fall Weather that have been sold that have gotten shredded and uh, something done with them. So that that that's really really fantastic way to do it. What would you like people to take away from your book? You know, after reading it. Well, I'd like I'd like people to to take away that when they get a pet, it's not for a year or two years or three years; it's a lifetime. And you ha- when you get a pet, you have to expect that they're going to live an entire lifetime. And for an animal, you know, for a dog, that's usually 12 to 14 years. And for a cat, it could be as many as 20 years. I think too many people get pets, and they don't think into the future. You know, it's for right now. And that's why so many there's so many animals in shelters, because people dispose of them so easily. Yeah, I, I've always hated that. I really like the statement you made in your book about how you would end up getting dogs and cats because someone would say, well, I'm moving to an apartment that doesn't allow dogs or cats. And we've gotten two of our cats that way too. And it, it pisses me off because, you know, you wonder what these people's priorities are. Right. Well, you know, when we lost our home and we had to find a place, if I called and they said no pets, I wasn't thinking about, well, we'll have to find some place for the animals to go. And it was like, well, fine, then I won't rent from you. Yeah, that's well, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you think while you were writing the book that um, the process of writing it that you got any insights into your life or into the animals that you wouldn't have had if you didn't think about them and, and do the book? Oh, wow, that's a great question. Um, I think one of the insights I got was my, you know, my family pretty much looked at us like we had lost our minds, and I think I was really able to see where they were coming from. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'd like to think it's a controlled chaos, but that's uh-huh. just an illusion. Yeah, but it does it does fall into a routine, doesn't it? i got to tell you something really funny, Bob. I, I wrote in my book how my brother criticized us because we had so many pets and we were having a hard time making our bills, and I had to borrow money from him a couple times. And he would always, you know, he'd always loan it to us, but it would always be with some comment like, ah, you didn't have so many animals. Well, guess what? Now he has just as many as we do. Are you kidding me? No. <laughs> wow. No, he has three dogs, and I think they have something like nine cats. Well, you know, there is justice, because um, years before I ever had any animals, I always had a little bit of a snooty attitude towards my sister Joan, who's always had a bunch of animals. And I always thought, you know, what, what's she doing this for? And, you know, <laughs> look where I ended up, too. So you just never know. Well, let's mention your website again, and it is yellowdoggy.com, Y-E-L-O-D-O-G-G-I-E.com. It's a great book, Born Without a Tail, and I've been talking to Carrie Ariel Wolf, and thanks so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Bob. Okay. That brings us to the end of another episode of What Were You Thinking? Thanks so much to my guest, Care Ariel Wolf, for talking about her book. Uh, If you'd like to be a guest and talk about your exotic pet, 
that's anything other than a dog or a cat, which uh, is a rule we sort of violated this week, but uh, email me at bob at petliferadio.com. Bob at PetLifeRadio.com. Describe your pets and, you know, maybe tell me a little incident or something about them, and uh, you might be my next guest. Uh, And if you like reading about pets, please pick up my books, Enslaved by Ducks and Fall Weather. They're about our pet birds, rabbits, cats, and, of course, geese, ducks, turkeys. Those are the outdoor birds. I think you'll like it. Thanks for listening, and thanks so much to our very mysterious producers who are producing this week's show from a hollowed-out pumpkin. Bye-bye. Thinking about buying a monkey? How about a ferret or a skunk? Then check out the show that will answer the burning questions, where do you get them? What do you feed them? How do you take care of them? And most of all, what were you thinking? With exotic pet expert and author Bob Tart, every week on demand from PetLifeRadio.com. Come.